So we are just coming towards the end of the series that we've been speaking on for some time now, um, looking at many of the questions that Jesus asked. Um, we've got a couple more of those that we're going to do, and then uh, over the sort of particularly over the holiday weeks, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer together, which I'm really looking forward to actually, and quite excited about that. We'll look at that. But today we're going to look at a, a subject that a number of people, just since I've been here, been here now, oh, however long, 20, 20 odd months or so, a year and a half, a bit more. Um, but pe- once or twice people have said to me, Mark, you, you don't seem to speak on this subject. Um, we'd like to hear you speak on this. Um, so, okay, I've been asked, so here goes. Um, going to read, start by reading from Matthew 23. Okay, just to give a context, uh, Jesus had been telling quite a number of challenging parables, um, and the Pharisees knew that he was speaking to them. It was the Pharisees he was speaking to, um, and they didn't like what he was saying, basically. So that's the context um, of uh, Matthew chapter 22. If I said 23, I meant 22. Matthew 22, um, and it, it starts at verse 1. Jesus spoke to them. No, come on, Mark. Get a grip. Where am I? I'm going to ask the person who I gave the... Where am I? I'm starting at verse 15. That's what I'm doing. You know already what I'm reading. <laughs> it's because the Spirit is... I'm just, I'm just trying to listen to everything that's going on in my heart and mind right now. Um, okay, the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. I'm glad you lot are on switched on. They sent their disciple to him, along with Herodians. Teacher, they said... We know you're a man of integrity, so smarmy, I can almost hear them. You teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men when you pay no attention to who they are. So tell us, what's your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus knew their evil intent. He said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin that's used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. He asked them, Whose portrait is this? Whose inscription? That was the question. Jesus asked, whose portrait is this? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. I'm going to tell you a little story for a few moments. I don't remember if it was this exact scripture, but somewhere around 1991, when some of you weren't even born, I know, but there we are, But around 1991, when, uh, as a young couple, uh, Jackie and I got deeply impacted by a biblical principle that I want to share with you today. As I said, we were a young couple. We were probably in our late 20s. We'd just been through three or four years of Bible college. Uh, We had a new job. We had two very young children. Uh, It was just at the end of the 80s into the early 90s. So for most people at that time, it meant we didn't have any money, we had a lot of debt. Many had credit card debts, if you were in the 80s and able to have money in the 80s, 
You'll probably remember that. But Jackie and I, we made a decision when we got married that we wouldn't have a credit card at that time, certainly, and for many, many years we didn't. But we did have debt. We had an overdraft, quite a large overdraft. It was also in the days, in the days still, when the bank, from time to time, would ring you up. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but I remember it. The bank manager or the assistant manager or the account manager would actually give you a phone call, um, would ring you on the house line, of course, um, and talk about your income and your outgoings and how they might be adjusted. I was a full-time worker for youth and evangelism at a growing, thriving Baptist church in Parkstone and on the edge of Bournemouth and Poole. I was very, very actively involved there. Reality was I was involved in pretty much everything in the life of the church. Very busy, young uh, guy, young dad, young husband. And uh, as a church, we'd begun to make connections with what was then called NFI. Some of you will remember that phrase, NFI, New Frontiers International, uh, as they were then called. And I got very excited because I heard there was going to be a regional celebration. Now, you know, those of you who know me well, I love worship. I love getting together with others to worship. And uh, so when a regional celebration, because we were a Baptist church that was sort of trying to really break through into the things of the Holy Spirit and press on in God, the local churches around us were not really doing that at all. So the idea of going to this celebration was very exciting. There would be a band. We were trying to form a band in our Baptist church. There would be great worship. Um, somebody would speak. It would be very exciting. But most of all, I needed refreshing. I was uh, involved in masses and masses of things. I was uh, pouring myself out in the church and local community, and I needed refreshing. I loved worship. And yeah, I was going to go. If no one else was going, I was going to go to this event. Anyway, a couple of carfuls, off we went. And we arrived, there was a great buzz, lots of people chatting, meeting each other, greeting. Uh, And I looked up there, there's a band all set up, this is going to be great. Um, Looking forward to it. And then we were invited to stand up, and I thought, here we go, we're going to get into this, I'm going to get my refreshing, and it's going to be wonderful. And uh, the first song started, and I didn't know it. Now, I don't know if you've ever been, you may have been in that situation even this morning, and you thought, oh, I don't know these songs. And I thought, no, you're a mature, emerging Christian leader. Come on, be mature. Um, you know, it's focusing on the Lord, whether you know the song or not. There'll be other songs in a minute that you will know. Um, so come on, just start to work. So you do that, you're sort of trying to sing that you don't know the song, and so on. Anyway, end of the first song, I thought, right, there'll be one I know now. And uh, then they, they said, oh, can everyone sit down? Hang on, I haven't received my refreshing yet. Um, I haven't really been built up much, you know. Uh, And then they invited what was obviously the person who was going to preach to come. I thought, hang on, we had one song which I didn't know. And now this guy, little short, fiery Welshman called Ben Davis, who was as blunt as the side of a house, and I'm not exaggerating, stands up and announces he's going to speak on giving. And I, like, just died on the inside. I thought, I've been busy. I've been serving the Lord, serving the community. I'm here to worship and get refreshed. I need a talk on giving like a hole in the head. That is literally how I felt. Now, forgive me, if you're a visitor here on holiday, that may be possibly what you're suddenly realizing also. <laughs> please, 
please come with me just for a few moments. Come with me. Because I believe, I mean, Liz, you just have no idea. My heart was coming out of my chest. <laughs> she just didn't know. You just think about that story she just told. I can't tell you much of what he said that night. But I can tell you that I was profoundly impacted by the Spirit of God. And I know the heart of what came through that impacted me that day, that, that evening. And it was this. Everything we have is from God. It's from God. Everything. Now you might say, well, I earned it. I paid for it. Yes, you did. But who gave you the oxygen in your lungs? Who gave you the muscle, the mental ability? Who gave you? Everything we have is from God. It's all from Him. It's all from Him. And... I born and brought up in a Christian home, been to Bible college. Of course I knew those things, but the Spirit of God just impacted me that, last, that, that night as I recognized the very breath in my mouth, the very ability to be alive was from God. And the call, the challenge, the commission that I received that night as a young 20-something, husband and dad, trying, trying to make my way as an emerging Christian leader, was, Mark, Mark, everything you have is from God. Why would you not, why will you not put him first in everything? Why will you not? And it was a challenge. Of course I'd been on a road of discipleship. Of course I'd been growing and maturing, and I still am today. But there was a moment where I was challenged. Mark, will you put me first? Will you honour me first? Just as, Liz, I'm going to refer to what you said so many times. But will you put me first above all things? And for me that night, particularly in the area of your finances, and then see what I will do. See what I will do. I've just realised we should welcome our newest member of the church who's just sitting right at the back there, whose name I've forgotten begins with J. Jasper. Welcome to Jasper and uh, yeah, guys, it's great to see you. Very quietly, we'll clap, clap quietly. <laughs> Put me first. Mark, will you do that? Particularly in the area of my finances and see what I will do. So I went home to Jackie. Poor old Jackie, she's had a few of these over the years. I go to meetings. She, New Frontiers used to have a thing called prayer and fasting. She used to dread me going to prayer and fasting because I'd come home and then she'd say, what's God said now? She literally said, what God said now? <laughs> and uh, this was one of the early ones. This is where, you know, in our 20s. So I went home and she said, how did it go? Which is what she's done. And I said, ah, well, which is also what I've done a few times over the years. Let me tell you something. <laughs> um, I've had this phone call and we're going to the Isle of Wight. No, that, that's, a, that's a different story. Um, and we had one of those conversations that went on into the early hours of the night. As we shared heart, as I shared my heart, she shared her heart, as I talked about what God had said. See, the truth is, it wasn't that we didn't know about giving. We did know about giving, and we would have been people who would have given from time to time. But uh, the reality is, certainly for us at that time, our giving would have been ad hoc. It was essentially out of what we had left. 
you know, if we had a bit left, if we could find something, uh, often we would forget, and it's, oh, oh, yes, it's an offering, or it's this, it's that. And, and, and it would be, as it were, out of, the, out of what was left, out of... Um, it wasn't very thought through, it wasn't very structured. Reality is it had very little faith involved. Certainly, we wouldn't have been stretched in the way that that testimony that we heard... We, we wouldn't have done that kind of thing at that time. And I know that the reality is we lived with a kind of phrase, whether we literally said it or not, but this was the kind of phrase we'd have had, we can't really afford to give. Can't really afford to give. But that night, God changed my heart and he changed the phrase. Now, it's a dangerous phrase. If you don't hear my heart, if you don't come with me, through the rest of the next few moments, then it's a dangerous one, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. But God clearly changed the phrase for me that night. And, my, and it, was, it was more about my thinking and about my heart. It was no longer, I can't afford to give. It was, I can't afford not to. Now hear me. This was not about legalism. I didn't hear a word thundering word, thou shalt, wasn't a legalistic word at all. It was not about earning God's approval. Listen, Mark, if only you'll get sorted and get this area sorted, then I will love you, then I will bless you. It wasn't that. It wasn't about man's approval. It wasn't um, then your friends will begin to, to love you more or like you more because of your giving. It wasn't about that at all. It was recognizing again who he was. And who I am in him. That's what it was about. Everything I have is from him. It was and it is all his. All his. From that day, with his help and strength, I was seeking before him and before my wife and with my wife together to put him first with my finances, before everything else. I want to clarify that. For me, I felt, God, I'm not giving you rules here. I'm, not, I'm just giving you testimony and story and we'll apply some things in Scripture in just a moment. But I felt God spoke to me that night very clearly, even about the tax man. If you're not sure what I mean, I'm talking about gross, not net. I felt God spoke to me, start with me first. I'll come back to this. You know, say, but I, but I, I don't have any choice over my tax and my nick. You know, he, 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 whoever he is, gets to take it. But no, it's all his. He's above all. So I felt God said to me so clearly, that's where we're going to start. Now, there was a journey to go on. But I was, I would trust him. I would trust him at the start. I would come to him first. And that all the rest of it would find its place under that starting place of putting God first. Which after talking and praying, as we did that night, we we got on our knees, prayed together. We agreed that as young, mid-late 20-year-olds, that's what we would do. That in fact we would aim towards giving at least a, a tenth of our income. Now I'll come back to that. I want to unpack a little bit more about that in a moment. But that's what we would do from that time on. Now again, I say, you, you might say, I don't have a choice about my tax or my national insurance. But as Jesus said, sure, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. 
come back to legalities in just a moment, but I believe it's right to honour God. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But I was convinced, I was convicted that night, and I sought to live by it ever since, that my highest priority, my response of worship, was to give to God what is God's first. I would give to God what is God's first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you know it, you could quote it to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added to you as well. Now, I want to say some things change in priority. There's no doubt that as you seek first the kingdom of God, your priorities begin to change. A priority in knowing him and glorifying him and honouring him first will shift you in your priorities. Now, to this day, we don't really know how, although I have a sense, I guess, and a bit of an inkling, but within six to eight months, that what for us was a sword of Damocles overdraft that was hanging over our heads, within six to eight months, our testimony was, it went. I don't know to this day really where it went, but it went. Now, I think we changed some things. I'm sure we did. I think we shifted in our attitude and so on. But as we said, Lord, we're coming to you first. We're going to give to you first. There was a huge change. And some 26, 27 years later, our testimony is that, sure, we've had some challenges, real challenges. Our faith has been significantly tested at times. And there's many stories I could tell you about that. But I want to testify before the Lord again today, we have never been without a home. Never been without a home. We've never been without a vehicle to get around in that we've needed to bring up three children to bring up three daughters to full adulthood, two of whom are now married. We, Jackie and I got married as children, just in case you... Um, but two of whom are married, and through college and all the other things. Now, I do want to get practical in a few moments, and just to give some tips and pointers that I believe God would have me share. But I just want to touch on this subject, because I, I want to come to this verse, because we've read this verse, that Jesus, this question, who's portrait is this. So I just want to touch on the subject of tax and taxes. Okay? It's often in the news, isn't it? It's in the news, whether taxes are going up or going down. But particularly in recent days, recent times, um, about those who try to wriggle around the system, or let's just put it out there, blatantly just don't pay their tax. Um, We hear about it quite regularly, don't we? But what does the Bible say? Romans chapter 13 Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Again, well-known verses. Let me just read these to you. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Listen to this. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Hear that? Now, you might want to have some questions about certain things in this country, but certain things around the world. But listen to Scripture Listen to what it's saying. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. In case we're not sure, he repeats it by reversing it. 
Consequently, he or she who rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted. Those who do so will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear, um, but, but for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. Hear this, listen to this. He is God's servant to do you good. It's God's servant to do you good. I think you can put your tax right in there. It's God's way of doing you good. You can go away and think about that one. But I believe that's where tax sits right there. But he confirms it in a moment. He's God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant an agent of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay your taxes. For the authorities, here it is again, are God's servants who give their full time to governing, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe him taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. If you've ever had a question mark over whether you should pay your tax, and I'm not even going to eyeball anyone, not that I have any knowledge, but if you're not paying your tax, I believe the Lord says to you today, through his word, pay your tax. Let him who has ears hear. Now there's another moment back in Matthew, if you kept your finger in Matthew, if you go back to Matthew and then a few chapters earlier, chapter 17... There's a moment when Jesus himself speaks about tax. This is about the temple tax, okay? Which is incredible when you think about it. So this is more of a religious tax. This is the tax you pay so you get, to get permission to go into the temple. Now think about this. Who is Jesus? The Son of God. Creator, you know, the great I Am. They come to him to ask him, does he pay the temple tax? In other words... Do you, get, do you pay to get to go to your house? It's incredibly irony of this whole, whole little story. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. Jesus' disciples arrived in Capernaum. The collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. Now Jesus moving in a word of knowledge, a prophetic gift in this moment. When Peter comes into the house, Jesus speaks first. He already knows what's happened. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? Well, from others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, aren't they? You know, Jesus is saying to them. But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Amazing little story, that one. See, sometimes we might be tempted to say, but we're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the, and the Lord of Lords. We're working under a different rule. We have a higher authority. We don't have to pay this. I'm under a different rule. I'm, I'm under a different authority. But also sometimes people say, do you know what? I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I, I'm not under law. But what Jesus is doing here, and I think this is significant, Paul picks it up in Romans that we've just read about, is that Jesus 
is underlying a culture of honour and respect. You see, we are absolutely called to be radical. As a people, we are called to be radical, to be salt and light. But I want to say to us, brothers and sisters, that does not give us the right to be obnoxious. We need to think that through sometimes. You know, I'm under a different rule. I'm under, I have different rights. I'm under grace. All of these things. Um, I've been called to be radical. I'm going to be different. But Jesus is not saying, but there's a place of honor. Does not give us the right to be obnoxious, to be rude, or to be self-serving. And as far as it is possible, it does not give us the right to break the law. Now, there might be a few instances in certain parts of the world where that will be very, very challenging if you're to be obedient to the Lord. And I recognize that. But I don't believe that is essentially the case here in this country. Not yet. Just want to remind you of Paul's words to Timothy. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour. You hear that? This is good. To be at peace, to be at peace with the authorities, it's good, it pleases God, our Saviour. So we honour God by doing what is right. We honour God by obeying those that he has put in place. Now it's possible that you may not like some of the laws and legislation that's being made in this country. You may not like the way certain things are being governed or led. I want to tell you there is something that you can do about it because if God is in control in the way that we're saying, he has placed you in a country that has a democracy. He's placed you in a country where maybe God is asking you to stand for his purposes, stand for his kingdom in business, in politics, in the arts, media, education, health, and so on. We were praying again in our prayer meeting for all those who are working in the health sector in this island. We pray regularly for those who are working in education. We pray. We've been given a democracy environment in which we can make changes for God's good and for God's kingdom. So if you've got real concerns, I want to invite you, use that opportunity to do that. But honour God. And those he's put in place. And see what God will do. I don't want to... I've got a few more things I want to say, so I'm not going to stick too much on this moment. But I just want you to understand they're coming to Jesus to tax him about the temple. I mean, do you see the irony of the whole thing? Is Jesus playing his taxes? Jesus said, do you know who I am? This is my temple! In fact, he says, doesn't he? Tear this temple down in three days and I will rebuild it. Because he's speaking about himself. And they're going, give us your two coins. Give us your two coins. But he said, no, come on, let's honour. Let's honour them. Let's not cause offence. By the way, Peter, just go to the nearest fish. Throw out your fishing line. Get the fish. Whatever's in the fish. Have a look in the mouth. Oh, four drachma coin. Everything is his. Somebody say amen. Come on. Petrina's nodding. Come on. Not just just your tax, Peter. My tax as well. You you hear what Liz said. It's like, God, can can I do that? 
Can I, can I do that? Can I give you everything? Can I give you all of that? Can I? But what if? But what if? Throw out the line, get the fish, open the mouth for both of us. There's enough for both of us in there. Just, brothers and sisters, hear the heart. Because we can quickly get into legalism with a word like this. We can go, oh, goodness. Being challenged and provoked. Challenged and provoked is okay. Condemned is not good. Right? So I don't want anybody being condemned. But I want us to hear the greatness and vastness of our God. I want us to hear. That's our basis for how we then take these radical steps, these big steps. These, If I step over this line, I can't fix it anymore. Those are the lines that become, begin to become a challenge. If I step over this line, if I give that much, I can't fix it. God, you've got to come, because if you don't. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. I want to invite you just before I just get into a few just tiny little practical details that might help us. Just to give you a choice even right now, a deliberate choice. Lord, I come to you, I want to put you first. I invite you this morning to choose again to put God first. And we are talking specifically about finances. This is a subject around that. So I want to invite you even now to say, Lord, there's a shift that's coming in me. There may be things you need to put in place. We'll come to that in a second. There may be people you need to talk to. The covenanting in your heart, even right now. Lord, with my finances, I'll put you first. Some of you did that many years ago. Some of you have been faithfully doing that over many years. Even some of you right now are saying, I need to revisit that again. I need to come again and revisit that. Lord, I put you first. Just a couple of practical points I want to point out, but they're very biblical and spiritual at the same time. Mentioning the government that God has put in place. Um, you will, many of you will know this well enough, but if you're a UK taxpayer, I can see no reason whatsoever to take every possible opportunity to claim as much gift aid as possible. We currently live in a country where our God has put into place a government that does tax us, but has given us the ability to claim back 25% or 25p in the pound, roughly, of all of that tax that we pay, as long as we give it to charity. The government that God has put in place says, all the tax we take from you, you can have 25% of it back, as long as you give it to charity. Why would you not claim that, is my question. If you've got theological questions about that or concerns about that, come and talk to me personally. I, I don't want to argue. Let's pray together. Let's share together. But it's a very significant amount, particularly for churches in this nation at the moment. Just as a quick idea, we've just claimed our, our gift aid for this year. Jill's not allowed to answer. And if you have knowledge from Jill, you're not allowed to answer either. Let's have a quick guess. How much gift aid from the government do you think this year we've just claimed back? Let's have a quick Let's have a figure. Come on, Joel, give us a guess. 5,000? 5, 7,000? Um, um, 8,000. 8,000. Any advance? Let me, let me put you out of your misery. <laughs> 19,000. 
this year, this little church. I'll tell you what it also tells us. You guys are amazing givers. So please hear my heart. It's an incredibly generous, faith-filled, committed church here. really is. So please hear my heart. This is teaching that it's important to give in the life of the church. And people have said, Mark, you've not taught on it, so I am now, okay? So you, were, you asked me. <laughs> but no, I wanted to do it. 19,000. Why would you not claim that? Okay, so if you've forgotten to do it or not got one, grab one from the back. And if it's the last one, can you just photocopy some more and put them back there? 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 to 3. This is one of my favorite little verses because it's so practical. And you know me, I like practical things. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 3. Now, this is Paul's instruction. He says to the Corinthians, about the collection to the Lord's peop- uh, for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. We won't be scrabbling around. It'll all be organized and ready. When I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men that you approve. So there's an approval. It's transparent. It's above board. It's public. You choose the men. I don't want my guys. You choose them. And I will send them with your gift to Jerusalem. There's tons in that, those little verses. Let me just pull out a couple of bullet points I think we're going to throw up. On the first day, by the way, this is, don't get into legalism now. Okay, this is a fixed date. This is, a, I believe, a principle that he's saying to them. On the first day, in other words, be timely, be intentional. What he's saying to the Corinthians is, rather than, oh, it's the offering, dip in my pocket. What have I got left? Oh, not a lot, that'll do. On the first day, set aside, think about it, be intentional, plan it. Think it through. Jackie and I regularly, certainly annually, review our giving. But in more recent years, we're reviewing our giving every two or three months. What are we doing? How are we doing it? Where should we be doing it? Thinking about it, being intentional. On the first day, set aside each one of you. So it's not, oh, well, they're the ones over there. They give. No, each one of us. Come to the next bit in just a second. But each one of us. This is not for someone else. This is for each one of us. Each one of you... Timely, set aside, thought through, not, not last minute, not just, <gasps> oh. Right, now here's a key phrase. First day of the week, each one of you set aside a sum in keeping with your income. Now, I said this, this is what sparked something a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? And I said, people said to me, do you believe in tithing? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. I think it's a good principle. I'll come back to it in just a second. But I believe in two things. One, in keeping. And two, cheerfully, generously, and under grace. Okay? I know there's lots of other words. But in keeping. What? In keeping. You see, I said the other week, just in throwaway line, you see, for some person, for one person, if they're on a very low income, a tithe, a tenth of their money might be a huge amount. For another person to give a tithe, a tenth, is pure pocket money they won't even notice. So it depends on their income. So Paul says, and I think it's so good here, be intentional, thought through, in keeping with your income. So 
For some, a tithe may be a really appropriate goal to aim at. For others, it's, it's, it's going to be a massive goal. For others, it's neither here nor there because I need to be giving way beyond the tithe. Do you see the heart of what I'm, I'm trying to say there? And I want to bring something else in a moment. I just want to say one thing. Beware the hundred club. Okay, it's a phrase we used to use. But I, I, at the moment, Jill will verify this. I don't really know much about who gives and how much they give. I, I feel, but I do know what's coming in in different ways. And obviously that's right as we lead the church forward. But it's surprising often there's like a hundred column or that kind of thing. Don't worry too much. If you're a hundred, you think, oh, he's talking about me. I'm not. What I'm talking about is a principle. It's like, oh, well, yeah, no, we are going to give. There's a hundred pounds. That's good. Yeah. And then it's almost like out of sight, out of mind, and we join the hundred club. We haven't actually, it's not necessarily in keeping with our income. It's not that thought through. Uh, in case I forget, £100, that'll do. Now, some of you go, £100? I couldn't possibly. And that's what I'm trying to say. Please be under grace. But can I encourage you, don't join the 100 Club. Or if you are sort of in the 100 Club, maybe have a think about reviewing. It's gone very quiet in here. <laughs> Am I making sense? You're hearing my heart. Secondly, just on in keeping, I would say giving needs to be done responsibly. What am I saying? We are called to be good stewards. There's so many areas we could talk on the subject of our finances and our giving, but we're called to be stewards of our resources. So I would strongly urge you that, that you do give, but that when you give, you don't give by getting into debt. Please, Please don't be under any pressure. Oh, I've got to go away from here. Mark says, you know, we've got to give. Well, Mark doesn't. You go to the Bible about what it says about giving. God loves a cheerful giver, but I believe there's a responsibility. Don't get into debt with your giving. Don't, don't let legalism or the demands of others force you to do something you don't have grace for, you don't have faith for. And actually takes you into debt. So please hear my heart. And then just really the the third little point is a repeat of the first one. Saving it up. Again, it's the sense of setting it aside, being intentional. It's earmarked. Jackie and I have known this challenge over the years at times. It's very tempting. It's like, well, you know, we've got this. Ah, yeah, but that's for what we're giving. Some people will save to give. Um, Other People do giving in all sorts of different ways. I'm not going to go into loads of detail now. But I know that intentionally we have had to say, no, that is earmarked. That's first. That's first. No, the tax man, he comes under there. National insurance, it comes under there. The car, the house, the church, everything comes under there. God first. Seek first. And all these other things will find their place. I absolutely can testify over almost 35 years of marriage that that is the truth. They will find their place. I'm not saying, like Liz, it isn't a challenge. I'm not saying at times you're driving down the road going, God, I do not know where we're going to live. I can't see how we can afford a house or whatever it might be. And God comes, honour me. And he comes in and he comes in and he comes in as we honour him first. I do just want to read 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 and 8. Each one should give what they've decided in their heart to give. This is why I don't teach strongly on tithing. It doesn't say in the New Testament, each one should tithe. 
I'll just highlight as we finish. But each one should give what they've decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all times, having all things, you will abound in every good work. Please take that verse and hear it. I felt free to give you a testimony of of my own practice in life, but hear that in the context of that verse. So, just a couple of little tiny pointers as we apply and finish, literally in the last couple of moments. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and if you're not, get it sorted. Give to God what is God's. Different ones of us will be on the different stages of this journey. So there's some things to consider. Some of us, this is a real challenge this morning, and so I just want to say to you, for some of us, we just need to step in and make a start. Literally, do you know, I've just never hardly ever given, it's very vague and very unsure. I want to encourage you, step in and make a start. However small the step, giving for the first time will begin the journey. So what I'm going to do in a moment, literally in a moment, we've got a communion table there and a communion table here. We have the special offering for the building. Those of you who are members, I'm not even going to unpack that. You know about that. Paperwork's here. And we'll put the regular general offering basket over here. And we'll do it slightly differently this morning. And I just want to say to you, let's share communion. Let's give thanks for the one who gave his all for us. And as we do that, step forward if you, want, if you haven't given to the special offering. Give into that. If you want to give more to that, fine. Feel free to adjust. Just write it down so Jill knows. Um, and then the other basket, the regular offering. If you've never given before, opportunities this morning. Before God, it's in your heart, feel free. Visitors, you're released. We are not after your money. Please hear that. Every visitor here, don't feel, if you, if you want to come forward and give, you're very welcome. But I'm absolutely not speaking to you. I'm just teaching you. I believe God will speak to you through principles of his word. But this is not a church that's going to chase you for money. It's, I've been here 20 months and haven't spoken on this. So that will give you an idea, okay? So we'll do that. Step in. Make a start, however small. Then I want to say to you, for some of us, step up and begin to give more regularly. Committing to giving every month. Increasing in our generosity. Yeah, no, I do give, but it's a bit ad hoc. It's a bit sporadic. Do you know what? From now on, I'm going to begin to commit monthly. I want to tell you, as a church, it's a great help if you do that as well to us because there are many things we have to pay for and, and, and spend money on and to have a monthly budget is extremely helpful. So if you are able to commit monthly, we get a sense of what's coming in. But we're trusting God in all of that. But, so I say, step up, make a start, or step in, make a start. Step up and give more regularly, increasing. Then I want to say, you say, well, no, I do. I'm doing that quite regularly. I'm being consistent. So I want to say to you, take another step to give a thought-through percentage. And I would say at this moment, 10%, and I'm not going to unpack the whole subject of tithe, other than to tell you that in the Bible there are tithes and there are offerings. If you want to add them all up through the Bible, it comes to about 28%. Okay, So if you really want somebody to give you a figure, but I'm not, I'm not into giving figures, I'm into giving you grace and responding to the Lord 
Now, for Jackie and I, and for many of you in the room and others, a tenth of your income, a tithe, is a really good place to start. And for us, that was our target. It took us a few months, but we stepped up, we stepped in, and we headed towards that, tithing our gross before the Lord's. Maybe that's something the Lord wants to challenge you. You say, well, I've been doing the net. That's another step. I'm not, I'm not looking at anyone right now. I'm just trying to say, take some steps. Thought through a thought through percentage. And then, step beyond. It's the last one. Regularly giving over 10% of your income. Tithes and offerings for Jackie and I. Our heart has been for many, many years. We start with the local church. That's where we give. We give into the local church the most significant amount. But then we want to give over and beyond that by his grace as he enables us. We give over and beyond. We give into special offerings like this one. We, we give into our, part of our family of churches. We give into special offerings. When we were coming here, we've done things like this over the years. When we were coming here, we felt God say to us quite clearly, start a ferry fund. Because we wanted not only to bless our children who uh, we've been separated from and and grandchildren now. So we want to be able to pay when we can for our children to come. But others, friends, different people, people are serving the Lord, maybe leaders of churches and others in different ways, coming on holiday, little breaks. We were able to say to them, our wider family, we're able to say to my sister the other day, "We'll, we'll pay. And for me, that's all part of that giving away. And you will have other things. You will have food funds and other things and other ways that you're secretly doing. And God bless you as you do that. Giving to God is one of the most exciting things in life. That's been my experience. Challenging, stretching, daunting, even occasionally terrifying. Although I, God knows mine and Jackie's faith, so he, he's never stretched us beyond. But do you know what? It's such a clear demonstration of worship. For me, it's a demonstration of faith and trust. Lord, I'm depending on you to meet my needs. Did you hear what, what Liz said? It's, that's, my, you know, that's my crutch. That's what I lean on. Take that away. I can't lean on it. And that's been our challenge for Jackie and I many times. It's like, no, can't afford to give. No, Lord, actually, we can't afford not to give. We're going to put you first. And in that, we're going to demonstrate our worship and our love for you. That actually, Lord, you will meet our needs. And he has done story after story from bags of groceries hanging on the, the door, arriving home with a bag of groceries. Opening the curtain of our house one day and there's a car outside with a ribbon tied around it. You say, well, why doesn't that happen for me? Well, we've gone through times when we've heard other stories of other people. Why doesn't that happen for us? And we have to be reminded, the Lord says, put me first, honour me. And see what I will do. Throw out your line. Look what's in the fish's mouth. Now, by the way, I'm not asking for any groceries and I'm not asking for any cars. Right now, the church has blessed us and we're in a good place and we're able to give uh, generously as well. So please, please, I'm not asking for anything. I really am not. Giving honours God. Giving blesses the community and it resources the work and the life of the church and it reaches the nations. Amen. Can I invite you just to stand for a moment? It's, a, it's hot, it's sticky. I'm certainly hot and sticky up here. Um, let's just respond. I think the children went down to the park, so they may be a few minutes coming back, but mums and dads, just be aware of kids coming back in just a moment. Father, 
Jesus, you went to the cross. You gave your all. You said, Lord, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Oh, Lord. Lord, I'm so, so aware. I've sat under sermons like this, and I know there can be such a mixture of stuff goes on in our heads and our hearts. I pray for a release right now of legalism, a release of guilt and condemnation. I pray that every person who would go from this place, every person who listens to this online in any way, would not walk away in guilt and condemnation, but they would walk away in the grace of God who gives generously all things to those who love him. Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray for those of us who are provoked this morning to step up. For those who are provoked to step in, to to step beyond. Lord, I pray, give us the courage and the boldness. Lord, where seeds have been planted this morning by your grace, we refuse the work of the enemy who would want to come in and rob and steal. We say, no, life in the name of Jesus. Life. Lord, bring forth life. We recognise money It causes many things to work. We recognize the need for money in our culture and society. But Lord, we come to you for our life. We come to you for our resources. And so as we take communion, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus right now, as we take communion, we receive, we feed on you by faith. We receive from you. And as some of us come forward and as we give in to the work of mission and the release of mission into the community and building for the future, as we give in to the regular life of the church, Lord, may we put seeds, as it were, onto the water that will return multiplied, over and over multiplied for your glory. Oh, Father, that some stories we will hear of people being saved, others we will never hear. But in glory we will know that we invested into the kingdom, into, the, into life. We invested into life. So Lord, we just give you this word this morning. Speak to us and lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name.